Hello and welcome back to Sitting In. Today you're listening to episode 20 and um, it's nice to be joined by the whole crew for once. I feel like the last few episodes it's been totally sporadic. Would, would you like to explain yourselves? Jack, where you been? Me? I've been hiding. I've been trying to come up with content. <laughs> I've been meditating in the content cave. <laughs> uh, no, I think... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's just been one of those weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this all so funny? We're keeping this in. Like, we're going now. It's rocking <laughs> the content. <laughs> Callum, what, what, where have you been? Been everywhere and nowhere at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. What? <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> You've probably been to B&Q a few times, haven't you? Because you're in a new place now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping to do that later on in um in June actually. Do a big a big trip to B and Q. Start, bro. Start you need renovating. to take a map or something though, because every time I've gone in there, I've gotten lost, <laughs> and it's just horrible. Like when it's like being. You ever see the bit in Inception where they're like falling through the limbo or something, and then what's happening is the world keeps generating like the same stuff again. That's kind of like what it's like <laughs> being in B and Q. Like when you get lost and you find yourself in the kitchen, the kitchen area, and you just, you keep running through the kitchen department only to find another kitchen, to find another kitchen, to find another kitchen. That's what it's like. Are you thinking of Ikea? No, I'm thinking of Inception. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always thought being q was like fairly straightforward to get around. You've obviously not been to being q then. Being q is a night. I might still be in being q I might still be there. And if I am, the internet's not that bad. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, Ikea's like that as well, but Ikea's like one big basement. Yeah. It's like just getting lost in somebody's like home project that they never really finished. <laughs> That's what it's like. And then someone Absolutely. tells you, oh, just follow the lines on the floor. That's yep. what everybody is doing. So nobody can see the lines on the floor. <laughs> so, uh, Well, it has been a minute since we did an episode together. It's episode number 20. I can't quite believe that we made it to episode 20 now. Like, it's kind of just flown by. And that means that in total, we have like 40 episodes of sitting in, which is pretty good going. It's not bad for two, two short seasons. But yeah, I, th- I thought it'd be good just to actually catch up. Now, I know that Jack's been in the content cave and Callum doesn't know what he's been doing. But for real, I think we have all been busy doing different things and it would be good to catch up on that. Uh, we don't actually have a question that we're trying to necessarily get into in this episode. We just thought it'd be fun to catch up and see where it goes. Um, so, Jack, genuinely, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Because we did actually shoot an episode together last week, but before that, we didn't see each other for a bit. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's been a lot the same of the old stuff, really. Um, just kind of continuing on with, with what I've been doing, just continuing to teach. I mean, to be honest with you, like... Um, been a bit funny recently like i've got uh i've got a residency a studio kind of session coming up at the end of the month for a few days and so i've like been as i mentioned to you in the last episode as well i've been trying to um trying to kind of like just bank sounds that way as well but i find myself like sort of pushing the boat out and trying things with uh with the pedals that i have that they're just yielding some really odd sounds now so the other day i was like messing with some gain stacking and um just kind of messing with od pedals that sort of thing so I mean, aside from that, that's really kind of what I've been doing. I think there's a um, couple kind of function gigs on the horizon or whatever, but nothing, nothing really too crazy. But 
Yeah, just same old, same grind. Nice. I actually saw a video on Instagram. I don't know if either of you have noticed someone doing this before, but they made a bridge for the Telecaster out of rubber, and it sounded so cool. Have you ever come across that? Oh, it's, it honestly sounds great. Like, I, I want a rubber bridge now. Is this like, um, is it like one of those clickbait things where, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, there's a guy who, um, he clickbaits all his, uh, all his videos with like, this guy changed his guitar strings to piano strings and it will blow <laughs> your mind. You ever seen that? I mean, Never. that's what YouTube is, right? Or like there's other ones that's just like, oh man puts banjo strings on a ukulele. I mean, I did click that one to be fair, so I suppose it worked. I've seen the one where someone plugs their guitar into the mains of their house. Have you seen that one? What? <laughs> it's you like a it? yeah, hand hand built guitar, and he's so confident about how it's going to sound. And he, I think it's like the it's the European um, plug socket, so it's the two it's the two prongs, and he just plugs it in, and then goes to like strum, and he just strums the guitar. And it's just like electric, like electricity. And he's like, ah, <laughs> jumps back. <laughs> it's Wait, just, so... he's got loads of videos like that, genuinely. Like that's, that's actually what he does. What's uh, the tone like? You don't hear anything. It just cuts well, off. Oh, there's no speaker. How, why, why, how would he, why would tone... he think that he could make that happen? I, th- I think he does it like genuinely for like a, like a funny video. Right. So it's it, like it, jackets. Kind of like it's, it's, it looks serious. It looks like he's actually trying to do that, but there, I don't know, it must be like comedic effect. It must be just, you know, trying to seem stupid. Oh, is that, so it's called like tone improvement or something? <laughs> it might be, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, you're really thinking about the whole B&Q thing right now, aren't you? I'm, I'm living it, man. I'm living in that world right Are now. Are you in B&Q right now? I've, I've told you, I think if someone told me that I was in B&Q right now, I wouldn't question it. <laughs> Callum, what have you been up to, man? Um... Yeah, lots, lots of stuff. Obviously, we've just done like ten hours of rehearsals over the weekend for Tinderbox, um, which was which was super fun, but tiring. But yeah, just lots and lots of teaching. Uh, two gigs that I've been to over the past little while, which is a rare occurrence for myself. I went and seen um, Rush Tribute Band uh, playing called Moving Pictures, um, and they were really good. It's one of the one of the drummers who was teaching at DC, uh, Drum Central, uh, music lessons, it was like their first um, job depping in for the, for the drummer. Um, for who, was, who was playing drum? Uh, Jamie Dunleavy, I believe. Um, right, I don't know him. Um, yeah, she is just a, she's just a tutor um, at Drum Central Music Lessons, and um, I'm not entirely sure how she, how she got the job, but it was, it was ace, like it was, it was so good. Um, it was a really, really good gig, and yeah, my dad was the support because it's all my dad's mates, which is kind of cool. So, oh, amazing! Um, that was a really fun night, and yeah, another gig that I went to see that my my mum dragged me along to, and I was very happy that she did was uh, Gary Newman. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was insane, like the electronic synth pioneer. Um, that was that was pretty pretty good. So it's been super busy, but there has been the odd time when I've actually went out and enjoyed myself, <laughs> which is good. So, um, yeah, mixed bag of stuff. Lots of stuff going on, um, and yeah, lots plenty to look forward to as well. Sick, great, nice. I started a really interesting project uh, the other day. I have a little book for it, and uh, I'm going to be composing a piece of music for an orchestra with young people in the hospital. And uh, so I started that the other day, and that's quite the uh, the task. 
I'm going to have to try and chop up loads of little ideas made on tuned percussion and orchestrate them and make a big piece of music out of it. I think that's the most exciting thing that's happened for me. But I'm really looking forward to this uh, big batch of gigs that we got going up until August. So if you're listening to this and it's, well, any time between May and August, you should definitely come and see us play with the Tinderbox Collective. We're playing a bunch of festivals all around Scotland and... We have something exciting happening in August, which I don't think I'm allowed to announce yet. So, yeah, keep your eyes out for that. But, yeah, that's that's exciting. You're going to come and see us, Jack? I mean, if it's nearer B&Q near me, then sure, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Yeah. Has anybody been practicing anything exciting that they want to talk about? I feel like all I've been doing is, like, preparing for gigs. And Jack and I spoke in the last episode about tone hunting. And I remember going on about how I really wanted this delay pedal and blah, 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 blah. And I think I've sort of just said to myself, like, I don't really need that delay pedal. I'll just stick with what I've got. That sounds like a bad argument to me. And especially for the podcast, I think you should talk yourself back into buying a pedal. Really? Personal opinion? Yeah. I mean, we've got enough time. I could talk you into one right now. What, what would you talk me into? I wouldn't talk you into a specific pedal. I would talk you into potentially going and trying more pedals. Okay. All right. What do you have right now? From a delay? Yeah. I'm using the TC Nova Delay. Is that your only one? No, I got like three. Ah. What are the three other ones? All right. I got a TC Nova Delay, as I said. Um, I have the Keeley Caverns, which is reverb and delay, but I can just use the delay for that. And I have the Pictronics Consolaire. Now, two of them don't have tap tempo one of them does have tap tempo the one i'm using right now does have tap tap tempo also has presets which is kind of important for me um and that's partly why i've decided that i don't think i want to go and buy a another delay pedal right now is because to be honest i think i can probably get what i need out of that thing i've just not been using it much so i'm going to spend the next month or so getting acquainted with that and maybe that'll fill all my delay needs well but if you just stacked all three is that what you're going to say? I was, I was, do you know what, Callum, you and I Delay are, sandwich. We must be in the same B&Q today because that is dead accurate. We're putting you, it together. That, I mean, that, that is actually a good point. Like, sometimes it's nice when you stack delays. Um, but I might, need a, I might need a bigger board. And I feel like part of where I'm at right now, and Jack, I think you might feel similarly, is that um, I don't want to buy a bigger board because I will just fill the space. And right now it's like it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty compact. I don't think I could fit anything else in. You know, I was thinking about this problem the other day because I have the uh, pedal train nano, and the thing with the nano is it only fits like uh, uh, maybe like three ventresses. So that's like four, four. Um, I think you could fit four of them on it, no? Because I've no. got one of them as well. No. So here's the thing thing i realized is i could fit something like eight or nine ditto loopers on it like the small ones so i had right. a thought and tell me if this is crazy but i actually think it solves two issues so the thing with the um the thing with the pedal train is that it sits on a bit of a plank in a way if you don't know what they are um you might have to imagine this because it's too heavy to pick up right now so it's like it's got, maybe got like a, a little plank that it sits on it's maybe about what this this thick Maybe, depending, I don't know. Um, 
And usually what you do is you put like Velcro all across the top of it. So the soft stuff you put across the top of it. What I've realized is for pedals that are like this size, so they're not big. This is like the Ditto Looper. Um, you could literally put this in your wallet. It's really small, almost. Why don't people just put Velcro on the sides of the pedal board and then stick the pedal on the side of it? And then I here's be, the I other issue. <laughs> You've beaten me to this. I keep my, my Yes, uh... exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. So, but here's the thing. This is where it gets even more interesting. It solves two issues. So one of the problems with like, and it's why you sometimes see people get like, um, you know those like foot, uh, they're like uh, banks basically. Because if your pedal board is big enough and you can't like reach your foot over and arch your foot into- A switcher. Specific... Yeah, it's a switcher essentially. Um, well, that's an issue, isn't it? Because it means that you can't actually touch all the pedals that you have on your board and instead you kind of you go through a switcher well, why not and maybe i'm talking to you pedal train maybe i'm talking to you right now with these little guys why don't you make it so that you can stick them on the side and then all you have to do is tap your foot on the side of the looper and there you go it's much easier than trying to reach over the pedal board i and got, you've still got all your, your board there i i think you you're you're maybe onto something however i feel like Tapping down with your foot like that is so much easier than doing a little side flick thing with a big toe. I don't think I could uh, do that, and I'm quite nimble with my feet. Like, yeah, I think the, the force needed would, uh, I, would no, be troublesome. Nah, I'm not, nah, I'm not accepting that. I think that sounds like you are both not willing you, to try. You, you could it. you could fit the ditto onto the side of that board, surely. Definitely, yeah, so it would do fit. it as well. It would fit. I think we should start building pedal boards up the way. Yeah, vertical pedal boards. Yeah. <laughs> that you have to kick, like physically. Yeah, yeah, they're in front of you and you just kind of like, you poke them or knee them or... It is a, do you know, it is a really weird thing, pedals. Like, there's something kind of old school about them in a way. And I know like, obviously there's the whole kind of like tech world and people who have Kempers and whatever. Um, but there's always something really funny to me that we've never really moved past the fact that all of our sound is in this little box that sits on our board. Like it's been the same way since the sixties. Like there's no, there's not been a great innovation really to, um, what's the word to modernize what the pedal board does. If that kind of makes sense. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's quite interesting. I've heard of I one, think about... sorry, on you go. No, you go. Um, I heard of one thing. I think it was a student talking about it, but there is Reese, you might've, you might've seen this as well, but in the same way that you can get some of these, amp modelers or like Kempers and things like that and you can buy like impulse responses and get the sound of say whatever Marshall cab um mic'd at a specific angle um supposedly there's a something out there that can do that with effects so that you can you can save yeah. you know maybe it's like I don't know that super chorus that you've um let me borrow Reese like I just modeled that and then you put it into say like some sort of box and it's just saved there and that's the super chorus on the box as opposed to the physical unit i'm pretty sure you can do that with the camper can you do that yeah yeah that's pretty insane let me put another idea into the uh into the fold what if all right i'm sure that this is definitely the case in the uk at least and it seems to be the case in birmingham because i see it all the time you ever go down to the town center and you just see these guys who have like a bass drum on their back and cymbals in their hands and like a guitar as well somewhere and one man band yeah and all they do is like they lift their left leg and the cymbal goes they lift their right leg and the bells go and then they just have to strum along to the song or whatever and then they've also got like a kazoo or a harmonica 
why not? If you were, I don't, I don't know how you would do this. Maybe this is like a, a task for Elon Musk, really, because I, I have no idea how you get this done. But what if you could actually be your own pedal board? So when you're on stage, of course, look, there are obvious drawbacks. Like you can't move <laughs> around. You can't like turn your head or page turn or whatever. But as you're playing, if you lift up your foot, you get overdrive. If you lift up your other foot, then you get wow up. Of course. All right. Cool. No, no, I, I actually, I see where you're going. So it's kind of like gestures. Callum and I both have a, an Apple Watch and we can set specific gestures to do certain things. I could probably set it in some way that if I quickly do that twice, it phones Callum, for example. Um, you can set those kind of gestures, I guess. And it's funny because what I was thinking about when you started talking about the, or dreaming up these ideas for pedals is I think it's really funny how we still use those little clicky buttons to push pedals on. It's so old-fashioned. I was thinking, you know, think about a phone screen. It's like it's touch-sensitive at this point. And some of them you can even, like, control with your, your eyes. You know, that kind of technology's been about for ages. And, I mean, it must be it must be totally possible to integrate that level of technology into a pedal. If you look at something like the uh, Neural DSP, you know, the uh, Quad Cortex or something it's called? It's got that really nice LED screen. Now imagine the whole device was an LED screen and you just had to tap, you know, to uh, engage the effect as opposed to doing the, the clicky little button. Another pet peeve of mine is people who are still releasing pedals without the soft click. Like, mm. I, I think I have a few. Uh, you hear that? There's nothing Bro, I worse I can hear than... that all the way from B&Q here. That's really <laughs> loud. Seriously, so there's nothing worse than when you're playing a gig and there's a quiet section and you need to change an effect and all you can hear is like... <coughs> you well, know, Eli like read that raised this a few years ago um, about modding the freeze pedal, the electroharmonics freeze pedal, which is a great little pedal. I have one on my board as well. but um, And I think you bought a modded one, didn't you? I'm selling a modded one right now. Ah, well, there you go. Looking. But man, we should have an interlude for like a sales pitch right there. Yeah, um, well, the reason I'm selling it, Jack, is because the Ventress does all that stuff. It's like, there's, there's no use for it now. Um, I guess I could I could keep it and it'd be even more versatile, but I tell you, it's been so long since I actually used it. I used to play, like, duo and stuff, and it, like, I would use it quite a bit for that, but I've just not done any of that stuff for years, and I don't know, I don't find much use for it now, so that's why I'm selling it. it so if anybody different... is looking for one, you know, give, give me a though, call. I think. The thing with the Ventress, though, is it doesn't have the latch setting. So it has like um, oh, what they called like a long and a short. Is that it or no, no, no? I, it has a it has Fast a freeze like a continuous. Um, I don't know what the time would be. The way that I've got some of my effects set up is that say I've got um, oh, the whole reverb. If I engage the right button, the option option button, it puts another effect over the top of it. However, if I hold that, what it does is it freezes the reverb of whatever I played. And mm. the mix is high enough that it I c it pretty much does what the freeze is doing. But um, that's the issue is like what you're doing is you are freezing reverb sounds or, or like especially on the latch setting as well. All you're really able to do is freeze um freeze what what's going on with the reverb. Whereas like the nice thing with the freeze is it's like it freezes whatever is already in front of it. So whether that's an overdriven sound or coarse or whatever. So I don't know. I, personally, I would hold off because there could be there could be scope for it. Like, oh no, think I'm, of it I'm more getting rid of it. <laughs> oh, you won't, you won't change my mind. <laughs> I, I, I haven't used I it. Could. For ages. I reckon I could. 
Nah. And I also think that it depends on your signal chain um, with the... Because if you think about it, right, if the reverb is at the end of your chain, everything that's going through that is being reverberated unless you had a separate signal path from clean or, say, the compressor or whatever, all the way to the back end of the amp. And the way that my pedal board's working, I've got the reverb and the effects, effects loop, so it's, it's at the very end of the chain after the amp. And so every single tone that's going through that, the compression, the delay, um, that is all being reverberated in that box. So I think that you, you're you partially correct, but I think that it depends on your signal chain for that. Which actually, another kind of note, Cam, I know you mentioned chorus there. And I'm curious, both of you, where would you put chorus in the signal chain? Because for I'll me, it's it like... Put it back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I think about like modulation effects. It's like you could put them after the amp or you could put it like just before the amp, but you can probably get some really wacky tones if you put it at the beginning of the chain as well. Like... Has anybody got any preferences? Um, I usually I usually try and experiment as much as possible because I think it could come down to like just a different brand of chorus that just sits better like third in the chain after your distortions and your like your filtering basically like if you've got waz and stuff like that stuff's always going to for the most part it's going to come first. Um, but yeah, somewhere in between like your distortions, filters, and then. Um, your time-based effects, the delays and reverbs, I would usually place it around about there. But, you know, that's if everything is in one chain. Mm. If you're able to get that effects loop thing where you can kind of have two separate loops going on where one bunch of things is not affecting the other, um, then, yeah, probably somewhere at the start of the effects loop, maybe. Mm. But Oof. it would be really good I to see how the chorus. Right? Yeah, it's like it's it's definitely worth experimenting. And when when you know what exactly what the chorus does, and then what you can use it for, I think if you have that like understanding of what it's kind of there to do, you know, you can use it for the complete opposite. It's one of those kind of things where it's like if it's thickening up your sound, and it's mm. making it seem like it's you know maybe there's two instruments. That's a lot of the time why chorus is used. It's like in a mix to kind of thicken things up, give them like what we call like a kind of thicker stereo spread um from like left to right um you might think that that's a really good good idea if you put that after your reverb mm. and a lot of people might use say another example is um i got this from i've mentioned him from um mentioned him before but devon townsend he likes to put his delays i think after the reverb and i think what happens there oh no wait is that is that right I'm forgetting now, but basically, if you have it a certain way, the attack of every delayed note is like it's just softened. It's softened from the reverb, which if you put cool. it the other way, then it's you know it's you get lots of attack from your delay notes. And if you don't like that harsh mm -hmm. attack, then you can you can switch it out basically by just switching the position of the reverb and delay. It's funny you mentioned that because in my uh, research of delay battles, I came across the Walrus Audio. Uh, D, well, I don't know what one it is, DS1 or something, it's not DS, DL, D, anyway, uh, they have a, a delay pedal, you'll find it if you search Walrus Audio Delay, and it actually has an attack setting where you can choose for the the trails of the delay, or I guess the delayed notes, to have more or less attack, and it does almost start sounding like a reverb, like a reverb, like a delay that is reverbed, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you, can, that. you can take That's the softness useful. off the like the high end of the delay trails, which is really nice. And actually, on the topic of modulation, one of my 
like the most important things for me with a delayed pedal is that it does have modulation because I think sometimes it's really nice to have like a super clean digital delay. But when I'm particularly when I'm playing lead stuff, I like it to have a just a subtle kind of discrepancy in the pitch. Or maybe not discrepancy, but like just modulation. Like just have it a little bit warbly behind. Like a tape echo um, kind of thing. I love those ones. They're probably yeah, yeah. my favourite kind of favourite kind of uh, delay or echo. Yeah. What are you thinking, Jack? Any thoughts on this whole uh, modulation delay world? You know, I think it all really comes down to like where you're placing it in your signal chain, which I think is what's interesting. And it's also something that's relevant to kind of how I'm messing with things at the moment. Um, It is funny, like the more that you dig into the world of like setting up your board and the more you realize that there's sort of a quote unquote right way of putting things you know together in that if you don't want to if you want your sound to be as clean as possible if you don't want your tone to be sucked or whatever then do this this and this if you want your reverb to reverberate etc then then this is it but i often think as well it's really funny how um yeah and we do go back to this like argument about delays you were saying like kind of looking for another delay but also not looking we'll convince you by the end of the episode but this whole thing of like you can actually find so many new sounds and so many new ideas by just simply like daisy chaining your pedals in a completely different order you can find some really wacky sounds some of them will be horrible but some of them might in fact kind of just change your approach to to playing and you know it reminds me um i think i might have mentioned this before a few episodes ago i was um i suppose this is more of a again a playing thing but about maybe a month or a couple months ago uh i recorded myself playing a chorus of uh i think like moments notice or some some fast tune and I was just kind of like sitting, playing acoustically on my uh, on my arch top, just recording it through my phone. And as soon as I put my phone voice memo onto the computer, for some reason there was like there was a malfunction or some kind of um, corruption in the file. And so the file came back with this really bizarre sound, and it completely killed all of the attack on the uh, recording. So when I heard it back, at first I was like, man, I. I don't recognize that at all. I, like, I can hear it. It's tono. I, I know what the tune is, but it doesn't sound like me playing. And it gave me a really fresh perspective for my ideas. And it was just, it was a pure accidental thing. Um, and it made me actually, funnily enough, appreciate more elements of my playing just by sort of surprising myself with with, with the sound of it in some ways. So, um, yeah, taking it back to kind of the, the, effects le- the effects kind of loop and pedal boards and that kind of thing as well. It's like, it is really interesting to to just sort of mess around with those things and realize like there's not really a more correct way of doing something that there's there's just the kind of way that that helps you find a sound that you like that's it totally i remember we had a conversation about gear it was maybe in the first episode when we'd done the q a and i remember callum just talking about how he when he gets a new paddle or a new piece of gear you just like you try all the options and you do all the weird stuff it's like i think a lot of people when they get something new they they set everything at 12 and I mean that they'll maybe just budge a couple of things here and there. Um, but I think there's something to be said about really, really test driving the pedal that you've got. And that's how I feel about this delay pedal right now. It's like, I've had it for years, like honestly about five years. Um, and it sat in the cupboard for about three of those years. And I brought it out and I was like, you know, let me, let me just work on this one for a minute. Um, because, you know, I can probably get everything I'm looking for out of it, except from the fact that I just got rid of a looper. So 
now um now I don't have a looper. And I was sort of thinking, hmm, the the timeline by Strymon has a looper. That would be uh that'd be nice. But um I'm guessing, Jack, just as a, a quick side note, you probably don't need that many um time based effects because the tiles in the B and Q kitchen will do that really well. Did you just did you just say plant based effects? <laughs> did I say that? <laughs> I, I couldn't hear. Sorry, the doorbell went as well. Time based. Oh, time based. Right. Delays. Delays. Right. You know, you'll get, yeah, you get no, lots no, of ambience the... from those those B and Q kitchen tiles. Hundred percent, man. You should see the wall of mirrors. You should see the wall of mirrors. You should see the wall of mirrors. <laughs> It's crazy, yeah. One thing that I found more use out of, in fact, two interesting things. First and foremost is, does anybody have an overdrive with a blend knob? It's not the same as a tone knob, is it? No, completely different. Mm. Blend knob essentially gives, it's like, um, think about the mix knob on like a reverb. It's like oh. you could have 100% reverb, half Dry reverb. And, yeah, pretty much. Um, but with a overdrive you could split it so it's like half of it is overdriven as opposed to the full saturation and it being a hundred percent i found a lot of um a lot of cool sounds playing with that lately one of my students was he gave me the idea of running a stereo rig where one amp is overdriven and one isn't i was like wow that sounds really cool and my overdrive pedal has a blend knob so i've been messing around with like just running it halfway and hmm. yeah you get some really nice tones it's cool hmm, anybody ever tried that never tried that no, no but it sounds like that's you know that's almost given the illusion your pedal is given the illusion of stereo because you're splitting the signal in half and affecting one and not affecting the other which is which is really cool because that's typically yeah. you, that's something you might do if you run stereo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there i guess it's not true stereo maybe i'm making this up i seem to be having a lot of real genius ideas today real well, on the cusp of genius, I think some of them might be a bit nonsense. Um, some. Um, is there a pedal that you could set after your overdrive that would control the amount of uh, dry sound versus wet sound that's coming from it? So say you didn't have a blend knob on a pedal, but you were able to... And I, I know that you could probably do this by splitting um, the sound. But is there a pedal that would would be able to kind of control that, or is, does that break the laws of witchcraft? No, you would use a. I'm I'm pretty sure you would use a line selector, um, and then you would you would split. You, uh, actually, Leo, the basis for Tinderbox, that's exactly what he does. He uses a preamp pedal uh, to give him a nice overdriven tone, and then he goes into line selector to get exactly the the function that I just described. Now I'm not entirely sure what comes after that and how that um how that really works, but I think what he's doing is something at the beginning of the chain, let's just say it's a, the tuner. And then he'll go into the overdrive or the preamp or whatever it may be. Or no, maybe the line selector would go before that. Yeah, the line selector would go before the overdrive. You'd have one line into overdrive and one line that bypasses it, and that's how you would blend them together. Okay. Does that sound that makes sense in my brain if I draw a little schematic for it? Does that make yeah. sense to you, Callum? Yeah, that does make sense. I think, I think the difference between well, what you've just mentioned, which is you know that's I think that's quite a a well used thing, and the thing that Jack's maybe describing is you know when you when you've got the output of a distortion pedal and it goes into something else, and then it almost it's able to um 
take out like a distorted whatever that pedal has done before going into the new one. It's able right, to take so that out and convert it into maybe two pathways or something like I that. I guess the difference is Jack is describing an effect, whereas I'm describing a utility. The utility being that yeah. it, it's a line selector that we could run both lines at once to get that split. I'd see that as like a utility effect, like a boost, clean boost, our tuner. Whereas you're describing an effect that potentially takes off or somehow, yeah. I don't actually yeah, know if there one. is something that you could do that. I think you'd I think, have to work yeah. with a utility function. You're asking, you're asking the uh, you know, mythological pedal to go back through the chain to grab your clean sound only to <laughs> ask it how, uh, how much overdrive you want to blend with it, which, mm. yeah, it doesn't really sound functional. I have <laughs> another solution, and it's... Uh, has anybody ever played a guitar with uh, normal pickups and piezo pickups? No. Oh, I really want to try that. That's what Tim Miller uses. That's how he gets that like oh, really yeah. overdriven but like really clean tone at the same time. And essentially, well, actually, I'm speculating this is what he does. I've heard him talk a lot about these pickups, but I don't know what he's doing right now. But the idea would be that you'd, you'd have your normal tone going through. So say you've got your pedal board and it's nice, saturated, overdriven kind of distorted whatever uh and then you have another jack on your guitar for the piezo pickup and that goes say into into a line selector maybe at the end and then that feeds it all into one signal into the amp that uh that means that you'd be getting the guitar tone as like uh you know all the effects but then you'd also have another tone coming out of that that's capturing like the acoustic quality instrument via the piezo pickups um, I think that's how it works. That's it. Sounds like so much fun. Like I can imagine just getting lost and blending those sounds together. Like, because there's none better, I think, than like the acoustic tone of like a semi-hollow instrument. I, I say uh, nothing better, but like it, it's a quality that often gets lost when we record through an amp. It's like how the guitar sounds as it's really resonating, like an arch top, for mm. example. Um, like if I'm recording an arch top, I will make up the guitar like an acoustic guitar, but I'll also mic up the amp and you get this really nice blend. And I guess that's mm. what piezo pickups to some extent allow you to do. Mm. It's like um, I noticed when Chico uh, Pinheiro plays as well. He's an incredible player as well. Um, he mics. I mean, he has a, it's a very strange looking thing, but it's like a mic that sits on the top of the guitar and it bends over to I think it, but over the bridge. So I, mm -hmm. you don't see him playing past the 15th fret basically much, but what you hear is this really clear, um, I suppose it's, it's, it's his picking clarity is the thing that comes through on his recordings. And it sounds really, 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 really bright. It's really interesting to hear, I suppose as well. Cause like just sort of is the tradition for a lot of jazz guitarists to just take their tone knobs and just roll it off. But, um, yeah, there's something kind of nice about being able to control that blend through a different way as well. So, mm. it's, yeah. You should try this, Jack, right? Get the arch top and that mic you're speaking through, mic it up around just, I don't know, a couple inches back from the 12th fret or something like that. Just get a basic sound. But then also record DI, like however you normally record. I'm assuming you record DI quite a lot, like into the box, yeah? Um, and try blending an overdriven tone with the sound of the mic up to the, the guitar, you get some cool sounds. I love that. I just, it's impractical. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to take a mic to a gig and be kind of nightmare. It is interesting. It makes me think of like, um, 
there are some people who like their biggest fight is uh taking their gear to the gig and mm. like i suppose it's sort of a privilege in a way in that you there are not many musicians who can truly do that like the one i'm thinking of in particular is eric johnson and eric johnson of like 20 years ago eric johnson when um he was very unrelenting in what he wanted to use to build his tone so he'd like i know he he used a lot of kind of old tech big box looking things and uh there's an interview with his guitar tech it's maybe like 10 years old on youtube somewhere and he's talking about like just the amount of stuff that you have to bring in so that he can he can get this sound uh, and i'm sure he's slimmed that down in recent in recent years but um yeah it does make you realize man sometimes uh sometimes it's like the battle is actually just moving your stuff <laughs> mm. yeah but then you look at the drummer and you're like well at least i don't have to deal with that they're like, different though. They're like they, they just have pots and pans to bring, man. Like, imagine having to bring like the Starship Enterprise and the guy who runs the Starship Enterprise to work it. It's yeah. like, um, you ever seen how they start up a uh, CERN in Switzerland, the Big Hadron Collider? They actually borrowed the Hadron Collider from Eric Johnson's board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking about this. Just not that at all. I was thinking about gear and like how how heavy and annoying it can be sometimes. My pedal board seemed to have gotten heavier lately and uh, I was whinging about it yesterday. But then I looked at the drummer and he was just packing up a whole drum kit and I was like, you know what? It's all right. Like, it's really not bad. And I'm kind of lucky that I... Because I, I play DI thanks to the Iridium, I don't need to have an amp with me. And so it's like, it's cool, man. You know, I can just... I can run about the streets with my gear and it's... It's not, it's not that bad, you know. But having an amp is like another issue. Have you ever used uh, uh, what do you call them? We we call them like a granny cart, you know, like um, those things that they use at shops to like carry. What do you call them? A cart or something like that. You wouldn't catch me dead with one of those. <laughs> you wouldn't catch me dead with one. That nah, I'm nah. I'll, I'll break my shoulders just taking that Supro up and down the stairs. Like no carts for me. No, 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 I actually I thought about getting one. They're, they are they are pretty useful things as well. But you know, then you think about like imagine being a orchestral flute player or piccolo player. You can just put your instrument in your pocket and go home. <laughs> I know, I know. You have it lucky. Put it up your sleeve. Tell you who's got it better. Tell you who always gets it better. Singers. You just show up. You got a voice. They don't even bring their own mic most of the time. Just like, give me your SM58, bro. I'll sing for you. Whereas we show up and it's like, I'm not using your stinky guitar. This is mine. If I was a singer, I would have a mic with my name engraved on the side of it. It'd be a 57 or, uh, sorry, a 58. It'd be something boring. I can but imagine what it'd that be my would one. look like as well. Like you'd yeah. get it gold crusted with like diamonds on the side of it just you know real nonsense but it would be yours so <laughs> what are you trying to say bro real nonsense uh uh well anybody else got something to talk about <laughs> i suppose i can't really i can't really complain too much i show up with some paper and a music stand that's that's basically yeah, I no, guess when you're playing keys, like, yeah, you're, you're pretty lucky in this, this environment. But I know keyboard players who have to lug around big, sometimes two keyboards at a time. and Yeah. That's a lot. Man, of work. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that's there yet. Me. I am not there yet. 
This reminds me of this really weird. Uh, I went to a gig a number of years ago when I was down in London, and I'm not going to bait out who this was because I've subsequently come to find out what their name was. <laughs> and uh, it was a jam night in somewhere in southeast London. And I went out to this gig and I actually didn't go to play. Like, I was coming back from somewhere and I stopped in uh, because my friend was part of the house band. So I thought, oh, I'll stop in, have a pint, and then go home. So I come in and they're like, oh, the uh, house band has just ended. So I was like, ah, great. That's not, not really what I was planning to do. Anyway, I thought, you know, I'll stick around anyway. And they said, oh, we're opening up a jam. I kid you not, right? So this jam starts and like a couple, uh, a couple guys get on stage and whatever. And then uh, as the night goes on, uh, this guy gets onto stage and he's, uh, he, he, well, he plays guitar, but he takes out this board from his backpack and the st he like, he spends about 15 minutes setting up and the band just start playing. They're just like, well, we're not going to wait around for you to find a, like a patch cable or we're not going to wait for you. So they're just playing and they get to the end of the song and he's still tuning up. So like there's a switch around and people, people, um, people change seats. You know, a new piano player comes up, a new drummer takes the, takes the kit. Um, and this guy is finally ready to play. And it's, what's crazy is I don't even remember what, what was going on in that song. I was just so interested to see that it took this guy five or six minutes to set up all his gear. I was like, wow. That's yeah. Old. I feel like it's like an unwritten rule that you just, you don't bring pedals to a jam session. Like you just don't. Unless you can set up in like a second. But even at that, it's like, I don't know. Then other people want to use your board. And if you're too precious over it, then people just think that, I don't know. You've gone to a jam session like, just yeah. to, like I would never, I'd never bring my setup to a jam. Like it, people it would be weird like in edinburgh it feels like it's unacceptable because <laughs> the the person like... leading the jam would have a pedal board hmm. usually yeah i mean there is this thing of like and i do sort of get it um and it's maybe like sort of keith jarity where you sort of you you fall on your sword or you die on your hill a little too much um for you know whatever it is your own musical individuality or identity but like there is this thing, and I think it was, um, I think I might have heard it from Mike Moreno at some point, where he's like, this is my sound. Like, my instrument is all of these things. It's not just turn up and plug in. And it's like, there is something admirable about taking around your sound and saying, like, all of this stuff, it's like, it's carefully mm. curated in a way that I'm not going to turn up and people go, wow, he doesn't really sound great tonight, or he doesn't really sound this or that or the other. Um, so that you always have your sound going. But I sort of agree, like, there is this thing of like, well, you don't want to just walk around with your entire pedal board and etc and plug it in and then spend ages sort of warming up and it's like well you're really just here to kind of play a couple of songs and get off stage and then get back on but yeah it's an etiquette it, for jam yeah, sessions exactly that's exactly it yeah there's an etiquette for jam sessions and it's like don't bring the boss metal zone to the, <laughs> to the jam just don't do it um unless it's really part of your sound yeah well on that note Etiquette. I think every jam session ends with um, a stern shake of the hand and uh, a tip of the hat. <laughs> Can I ask you something real quick? Oh, yeah. Have you, uh, have you changed your mind about the delay pedals yet? Nah, N nor the phrase, to be honest. Sorry. That's an episode 21 then, right there. Well, yes. We, we are going to be taking a break for a bit, actually. It's worth kind of just noting that. 
we don't know when we'll be resuming. Hopefully sometime in the future. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a wee break. We've hit 20 episodes. Generally, that's around the time when we all start thinking, let's do something different. So we're going to take a pause for a minute and uh, be back sometime. But it's funny because I think we... I guess we're ending the episode now, episode 20, the end of, I guess this is season two, really. Um, and yeah, I just I just want to reflect on that for a minute and say that it's been so much fun hanging out with you two and doing something different because the first season was like completely different from this. Um, and we came up with this idea sitting in jams. It was really only supposed to be like a an in-between. We're only going to do a few episodes and then maybe do one every couple of weeks whilst we continued doing what we've done in season one. But we all decided that we're having so much fun doing it together like this that we would just keep going. And now we're 20 episodes into this thing that we didn't really mean to <laughs> uh, get this deep into. Which is why I think it's a good time to take a break. But I just want to thank you both for being such a great hang. And anybody who's checked out all the episodes and you've gotten this far, thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, does anybody want to say anything else before we wrap it? I just feel the same. Yeah, it's been been uh, a great hang, and also just yeah, it's been quite a good uh, a good habit to build. Just uh, doing these podcasts and getting into conversations, and <clears throat> yeah, just bouncing off each other. It's been great. Mm, yeah, and thank you to like the people who have submitted questions for these things as well, because they they're often very useful for us. Because there are times that like um, you know we spend during the week we don't have time to come up with topics or ideas or that kind of thing, and so. The actual engagement of which we have actually seen a fair amount of engagement, which has been really fun and encouraging as well, has been really, um, it's really been great to work off of. So in some ways, we can't really do it without <laughs> without that listenership. Absolutely. But nevertheless, it is fun to hang with you both. And thank you both for being so generous with your time and knowledge. There's just so much. There's a wealth of stuff for people to learn from these episodes. And it's thanks to your generosity so thank you both very much thank you to the listener you are all lovely i hope you've enjoyed uh, having our voices in your ears for the last 45 minutes or so and we will see you in the next uh chapter i don't know what to say like is it new season i don't know but we'll see you next time all right <laughs>